Revised and re-recorded, this is The Addendum. Welcome to episode 132 of The Addendum. My name is Eric. The story revised for this episode is one in which the original story idea changed substantially during the initial composition. It is quite short and terse. Details are present and plentiful, while transitions and narrative pleasantries are minimal. There is not much more to add other than, I hope you enjoy it. Without any further delay, the story will now begin. The Opal Men by Keith Eric Brandt Karen brushed her teeth as she wandered around her house before going to bed. Moving from one room to the next, she checked to make sure no appliances were left on and that all of the lights were turned off. In the main room, she hesitated for a moment at the front window. With her index finger, she pulled the edge of the curtains back and peered outside. Beneath the glow of a nearby street lamp, the opal men were gathering. They wore dark coats, dark pants, dark shoes, and hats with wide brims that hid their eyes. All of them looked uniformly the same, with the exception of one who towered above the rest. It was unclear who any of them were or what the purpose of their regular meetings might be. They never appeared to do anything other than wait and mutter among themselves. It gave her an uneasy feeling. She wished they would not gather there. It made her overly aware of the fact that she lived by herself. While she preferred not having to rely upon anyone, seeing them out there in the still and quiet hours of night made her feel isolated and vulnerable. The oddity of it all piqued a loneliness within her that felt akin to abandonment. The first time she remembered seeing the Opal Men, there had been only two of them. The following night, there were three, and the next night, there had been five. Then, they were gone for a couple of weeks. When they returned, there were eight, and the following night, there were four, as if the group had divided in order to occupy more locations throughout the city. In truth, she did not know how many additional meeting places there might be. Regardless, the men in dark overcoats and wide-brimmed hats appeared to follow a predictable routine. They would meet for three nights in a row and then disappear for weeks before returning to the street lamp in front of her house. The next morning, they were gone. Karen had never seen them in daylight, but then again, she had never thought about them in their absence. At work, she could not escape the cyclical dilemma of how much she disliked her job, coupled with how much she depended upon her less-than-desirable wage. Her schedule did not allow her any opportunity to find different employment. Even if she were able to land an interview, she could not afford to take the time off. Thinking about it cramped her stomach with worry, but there was no way to avoid thinking about it when she found her work responsibilities menial and unpleasant. That evening in the train station, she stood upon a crowded and dimly lit platform as exiting passengers pushed past her. Through the commotion, Karen felt a hand reach inside her jacket as she boarded the train car. Instinctively, she put her hand in her pocket to disrupt the attempted theft. To her surprise, she found a business card had been deposited instead of anything being removed. It was plain and white, with a message hand-printed in black ink that read, To what hope do you cling? On the other side, there were three words in the same handwriting, We are waiting. Karen looked back at the crowd that had passed by her. 
On the stairway heading up and out of the terminal, a tall man wearing dark clothes loomed shoulders above the people around him. It had to have been him, even though there was no way he could have possibly left the card and traveled that far in the amount of time that had passed. It was a message from the Opal men. There was no other explanation. She did not know what to do. It made her uneasy, but no crime had been committed. By the time she arrived home, she was filled with an overwhelming feeling of dread. She did not listen to music or watch television, opting instead to eat in silence. She was afraid that any normal activities might betray her presence. As the night wore on, she tried to forget about everything that had consumed her day. Before going to bed, she turned off the lights and waited a couple of minutes before peeking through the front window curtains again. Ten opal men were gathered together in the radiant illumination of the street lamp. One of them turned toward her house. It was almost as if he could sense she was standing in the darkened room behind the curtain. The wide brim of his hat cast an impenetrable shadow over his eyes. His cheeks were heavy and round. His features were bumpy and pale, his skin looking like the flesh of a plucked bird. He raised a ghostly white hand and gestured a wide sweeping motion toward himself with his arm. Karen backed away from the curtain. She stood perfectly still, inadvertently holding her breath while she waited. After a few long moments, she moved to the far end of the windowsill and peered through a thin gap in the curtains without touching them. The man had lowered his arm. Other than that, it looked like he had not moved. Then he turned his head in her direction and resumed motioning for her to come outside. Karen quickly retreated to a hallway where there were no windows. Her heart raced with panic. She brought her hand to her mouth, forcing herself to draw long, deep breaths through her nose. She held the air in her lungs for a moment, listening to the blood pulsing through her ears. She wanted to call the police, but nothing had happened, and there was nothing to report. It was a non-emergency. By the time anyone arrived, the Opal men would likely have already left on their own. The image of the opal man waving her onward repeated over and over again in her mind. She crept back into the living room and looked outside once more. The man had his back to her. A few of the other men pointed vaguely in directions up and down the street, and a couple of others appeared to be disbanding for the night. Karen expelled a relieved breath. Whatever had happened or not happened appeared to be over. Despite her ebbing trepidation, she took her phone to bed with her, holding it to her chest as she fell asleep. She woke in darkness. Everything was quiet. Then she realized what had roused her from her sleep. There was an intermittent light tapping on her bedroom window. She moved her head very slightly so she could see through the edge of the blinds without revealing she was awake. She could see the bumpy flesh and the bloated cheek of the opal man outside her window. His breath clouded a thin film of fog upon the glass, and his continued breathing caused beads of condensation to run down the window pane. Uncontrollable fear and alarm propelled Karen out of bed and back into the hallway. Then a loud and urgent pounding on her front door began. The knocking was aggressive, with the sharp sound of knuckles interspersed with the dull thuds of a closed palm. The rapping on her bedroom window grew so loud it seemed like the glass might break. 
She called the police, sinking to the floor as she waited for someone to answer. The front doorbell began ringing. The repeated chiming made it difficult for her to hear anything other than the piercing peal of the bell. The cacophony rose to a deafening crescendo, and then it all stopped. The operator answered, Emergency services, how can I help you? Karen swallowed thickly, breathing a shaky breath. I, I don't know. The phone connection was poor. It contained a hollow and scratchy emptiness that gave the operator's words a raspy echo. What's the emergency, ma'am? Are you okay? Karen breathed another shaky breath. I don't know, she repeated. I thought I was being attacked. The operator sounded confused and concerned. You thought you were being attacked? Karen pushed herself up from the floor. I thought people were trying to break into my house. The operator spoke in a calm and steady manner. Is there anybody inside the house with you? In a meek voice, Karen said, There were men pounding on the windows and doors, but it's all quiet now. I think they're gone. She moved carefully into the dark living room. The operator repeated, Ma'am, do you need assistance? Karen looked through the curtains. There were a dozen opal men standing beneath the street lamp. There were nine people with them who were dressed in everyday clothes. From across the street, a woman walked toward the group, and from the opposite direction, a young man approached. A couple of the opal men looked up at the sky and then back at the others. The civilians talked with each other, apparently excited about being part of the group. The opal man, who had motioned for Karen to join them earlier that evening, turned to face her once again. He raised his hand, but he was no longer waving her toward him. It appeared to be a simple farewell. In that moment, a bright light erupted from the center of the group. It expanded rapidly over the opal men and the others, and then they were gone. The operator said, Ma'am, do you need help? In a weak voice, Karen said, I was mistaken. She set down the phone and opened the front door. She walked to where the opal men had been. There was nothing out of the ordinary. Over the following months, she waited for them to return. She would stand alone in the glow of the lamplight, hoping the opal men could see her and hoping they would realize she was no longer afraid. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you for downloading and listening. If you have enjoyed this story or any of the stories featured on this program, please take the time to rate and review the Addendum podcast. Until next time, this has been The Addendum.